0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 9, follow along as I read down through verse 12. Paul says, For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day so as to not be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you, notice, as a father would his children, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. The Apostle Paul was a single man, as far as we can tell, And yet, even though he wasn't married and was not a biological father, he had many spiritual children. For example, he refers to Timothy and Titus as his own sons or his own children in the faith. Paul was used by God to lead a businesswoman named Lydia to faith in Jesus Christ. She happened to be, by the way, the first convert to Christianity in all of Europe. But there were many more, including many individuals who formed congregations of believers in city after city like the city of Thessalonica. Notice verse 13 in our text, just beyond where I read. Paul says, And for this reason we also constantly thank God that when you receive from us, the word of God's message, you accepted it not as a word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. There were many who came to faith in Jesus Christ in Thessalonica because of Paul. And so Paul now is expressing his heart for his spiritual children. It's reflected, by the way, in the fact that he wrote two books to these Spiritual children in Thessalonica. And in the fact that here in chapter 2, as we noted in verse 11, he's speaking as a father would to his own children. He loved these believers as if they were his own biological children. And so his example and his words to them are a beautiful illustration of the role of a dad in the home today in 2015. I want us to closely examine A spiritual father's character, first of all. Paul says in verse 10, You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Paul addresses the whole church, and he's excited to be able to say, You are witnesses, and so is God, about how I conducted myself, about my character while I was with you. He wasn't running from some poor example. He wasn't trying to hide anything. Instead, he was reflecting on the power of his own personal testimony in front of and with them. Even though according to Acts chapter 17, he was only in Thessalonica for about three weeks. But his ministry to them and his spiritual fathering lasted way beyond those few weeks with these believers. Why? Because they got to see and and then see modeled in him some godly character. They got to interact with this great apostle who was at the same time a very humble man who wanted to serve God, who was totally committed to God and to spreading the gospel, the good news about Jesus to all of these people. He proved to them that his message was not just words. It was powerful and life-changing. And so many were called out in faith to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And in the process, he gives us three ways that his testimony made an impact on them. And there are three ways that a biological dad this morning who wants to be a spiritual leader in his home can and should demonstrate godly character. The first way, he says, was that He lived devoutly before them. That word has to do with the quality of holiness in our lives. But more specifically, a holy life that leads to fulfilling specific duties and doing them faithfully. It means passionately pursuing God with all our hearts. And Paul did that. It means that when our children and others look on our lives, they can see that there's a complete trust in God there that affects everything we do. Andrew Gillies once wrote a poem called Confession to Father. He said this, Last night my little boy confessed to me some childish wrong, and kneeling at my knee he prayed with tears, Dear God, make me a man like Daddy, wise and strong. I know you can. Then he slept. I knelt beside his bed, confessed my sins, and prayed with low-bowed head, O God, make me a child like my child here, pure, guileless, trusting thee with faith sincere. Paul said, I came to you in a devout way. I was committed to God, and you saw that. Secondly, he says, I lived uprightly in front of you. This word uprightly has to do with living the right way. In fact, that's the literal meaning of the word. Right way. That's the definition of this original word. It means doing the right thing, the right way, right away, and doing it consistently. If there's any word that I could give to parents in general, and I need to listen to it myself, it's that we are consistent in our parenting. And Paul said, I lived a consistent life before you. If dad knows God like Paul knew God, his children are going to see that. If he seeks to live uprightly, doing things the right way in front of his children, and in front of all others who watch him day after day, but especially his sons and daughters, they will see that dad knows God and loves God with all his heart. Three young boys were bragging about their dads on Father's Day. One little boy said, My dad knows the mayor. The second little boy, in order to top that, said, That's nothing. My dad knows the governor. The third little boy's daddy, since it was at his house, was near the kitchen window when this conversation was going on, so he could hear what was being said, and he wondered what his son would say to top that. The little boy paused and said with total confidence, your dad may know the mayor and your dad may know the governor, but my daddy knows God. That is a commendation worth striving for. That's a commendation that really hits home if we want to be spiritual dads. The people of Thessalonica knew without any doubt, Paul knows God. His life has been changed. And may I say to dads here this morning, we can't lead our children to faith in Jesus Christ if we don't know God. If we don't know Jesus ourselves as our personal Savior and Lord, if we don't know that our sins have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, we can't begin to lead our children in a life of faith. It starts there. So men, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as Savior, today's the day. It can start now by putting your trust in what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross and for your children. Thirdly, Paul says that he lived before them blamelessly. This third character trait, by the way, does not mean that Paul was perfect. He never said he was, and he, in fact, admitted just the opposite. He was the chiefest of sinners It also doesn't mean that there's any dad here this morning who's perfect. Right, men? We all know that we're far from that. Far from that. What it does mean, though, is that Paul lived his life before the Thessalonians in such a way that no one could ever level a false accusation against him and have people believe it. And that's what it means for you and me. That we would live our lives in such a way that if... Someone out there who has some axe to grind against us because of following Jesus or speaking up for our Savior, that our kids would say, "I don't believe that." That's not true of my dad." And so those possible accusations would never stick to us. What it means for dads is that while we're not perfect, we keep short accounts with God. We keep sin confessed. We own to our children that we're not perfect. Even this great apostle was attacked at Thessalonica. Acts chapter 17 verse 5 says there were some there who were jealous of him. Of the impact he was making in that city. and So they leveled false accusations against Paul. But he lived blamelessly. The Thessalonians, even though they only knew him for a few weeks, could tell what these guys are saying about Paul is not true. It just isn't. And there may be those who will be jealous of and attack us as dads for seeking to be devout and upright and blameless. If a dad is verbally or physically abusive, if he's overly authoritative... If he's frequently absent, I can tell you right now, no one's going to be jealous of that. <laughs> They're only going to be jealous of us if we're walking with God. Seeking to be a blessing to our children. So guys, dads, keep on being a spiritual dad. Keep on being a living letter that your children can read and follow. We played it earlier as a prelude to our service, a beautiful song by the trio Phillips, Craig, and Dean. It's a wonderful song about fathering, and it contains this prayer, Lord, I want to be just like You, because He wants to be just like me. I want to be a holy example for His innocent eyes to see. Help me be a living Bible, Lord, that my little boy can read. I want to be just like You, because He wants to be like me. That's a good prayer. A wonderful prayer. The Apostle Paul, secondly, not only had the right kind of character before these Christians at Thessalonica, but he had some concerns. Verse 11, Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Paul wanted these Christians to have a close walk with God. He wanted them to not rebel and turn away to draw ever closer. And so he wanted to show them his concern for their spiritual lives in three specific ways. First of all, by exhorting. This word exhorting is, by the way, the exact same word that Jesus uses in John 14, verse 26 to describe the Holy Spirit. It's the word we get our word comforter or helper from. And So what it applies to is that this... Father, the spiritual dad, is called alongside to help his children. The literal meaning of the word is to call alongside. It pictures a child in the home calling for daddy to come and help or to hold or to give words of comfort and blessing. It can be compared kind of to a a parent who's out on the roller skating floor and comes alongside their small child who hasn't quite got it down yet to make sure they don't stumble and fall and can stand and skate. Every spiritual dad wants their child to be able to stand strong and not fall. Every spiritual dad wants their child to grow up and be able to walk with God on their own with God's help. Spiritual dads are always concerned that their child comes to faith in Jesus Christ and grows spiritually, stays in tune with the Lord, doesn't rebel and go their own way. And that kind of dad comes alongside as a comforter and helper. Teaching, instructing, modeling the right way. And all the while showing love in every circumstance. Even when the child does rebel, Many of us have read the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 that Jesus gives. I want you to listen for a moment to a story about a prodigal daughter that Philip Yancey writes about in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace? This prodigal daughter grows up in Traverse City, Michigan. Disgusted with her old-fashioned parents who she believes... Overreact to her nose ring and the music she listens to and the length of her skirts runs away she ends up in Detroit where she meets a man who drives the biggest car she's ever seen she starts calling this man with the big car boss he recognizes that since she's under age men would pay premium money for her so she goes to work for him things seem good for a while at least nobody's trying to get her to change but then she gets sick for a few days and it's amazing how quickly her boss turns against her he throws her out on the street without a penny to her name she turns a a couple of tricks a night all the money goes to support her drug habit one night while sleeping on the metal grates of the city streets She begins to feel less like a woman and more like a little girl. She begins to whimper, God, why did I leave? My dog back home has more to eat than I do. She realizes more than anything that she really wants to go home. Three straight calls home get three straight connections to an answering machine. And finally she leaves a message, Mom, Dad, it's me. I was wondering about maybe coming home. I'm catching a bus up your way, and I'll get there about midnight tomorrow night. If you're not there, I'll understand. During the seven-hour bus ride, she's rehearsing what she's going to say to her father. When the bus comes to a stop in the Traverse City station, the driver announces there will be a 15-minute stop. Fifteen minutes to decide her life. She walks into the terminal not knowing what to expect, but never in a thousand dreams did she expect what happened. There in the bus terminal in Traverse City stands a group of 40 people, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, cousins, a grandmother, and a great-grandmother to boot. They're all wearing party hats and blowing noisemakers. And taped across the wall of the terminal is a computer-generated sign that says, Welcome Home. Out of the crowd of well-wishers breaks her dad. She stares out through the tears in her eyes and begins her memorized speech. But he stops her. Hush, child. We have no time for that. No time for apologies. We'll be late. A party's waiting for you at home. That's God's kind of love for us, isn't it? But it's also the love any dad who wants to be a spiritual dad has for his child. Even when they rebel. When they're ready to turn back to God and turn back to home, that spiritual dad is there running to him or her with arms open wide and words of love. So Paul says, I came exhorting. I'm concerned for you. I want the best for you spiritually. And secondly, he says, I came encouraging. This has to do with the speaking parts the dad gives in the home words of encouragement, or as someone put it, faith out loud. It also contains the idea of strengthening the child with our words. Or to put it another way, using our words to bless. Backed up by our lives, we want to bless our children. We want to speak words of affirmation, not condemnation. It means showing affection rather than just shelling out authority. Embracing them while we're exhorting them. Loving them while leading them in the way that God would have them go. It also means taking an active interest in each child. Would you please notice the text with me again? Verse 11, just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children. Each one of you. What that says to me from the pen of the Apostle Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, is that a spiritual dad understands that each child is different. And each child needs the affirmation from dad that fits them personally and perfectly. And to do that, guys, we need to pray. We need to ask God for those words for each child. Our children need to see that we love them deeply and individually. And they need to hear those words, I love you. I love you. By the way, they also need to hear us tell their mom, I love you too. They need to hear that. I remember reading about a lawyer who went before a judge to get a divorce. The judge asked him, how often have you told her that you love her? The lawyer's answer was, I told her I loved her the day we got married and I've never said anything differently. (laughs) That's not how it works. You don't just say it once on your wedding day and then never again. It needs to be repeated again and again and again, especially in the hearing of the children. The third way that we can model being spiritual dads is by imploring, Paul says. Imploring them. That means literally begging them. To have a walk with God. Paul's concern was that they would have a walk worthy of the Lord. Well, if we're going to implore our children, beg our children to have a walk worthy of the Lord, then that means that we need to have an active and involved part in their spiritual development. That means we need to be teaching them the Word of God. Personally, actively through family devotions through family prayers we need to be teaching them our kids need to know as they grow up that we will take anything to God in prayer for them as they get older they need to be able to count on the fact that dad is going to pray for them about whatever it is that's part of blessing our children our prayer life for them You may have noticed, by the way, that all three of these words, exhorting, encouraging, imploring, are all in the present tense. This isn't a grammar lesson. The point of that is that parenting never stops. Paul was there three weeks, but his influence continued. And they knew what kind of man he was. Parenting never stops. Just because kids are grown and maybe are out living on their own doesn't mean that the exhorting or encouraging or imploring ends. In fact, it intensifies. That's what I've seen with my own children and now my grandchildren. It intensifies. It multiplies. You might be saying to yourself at this point, wow, this is a big job. This is a huge challenge. How can I possibly be Like the Apostle Paul, this great Apostle. How can I be like him as a spiritual father? Well, that's a challenge, isn't it? So let's look at that in verse 12. Again, Paul's challenge is so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. Yes, it's a big challenge. Yes, it's a big job every day. But it's a challenge we can meet with God's help. It's not impossible. Paul, you see, had a goal in mind. A vision of what he wanted to see happen with these Thessalonian Christians. A walk worthy of the Lord. Our children need to see that not only does Dad take an interest in them, but that he has a vision for them for the future. That's part of the blessing that dads can and should give to their children. I can tell you this morning that my parents were both very encouraging to me about entering full-time ministry as a pastor, especially my dad. My dad spoke words of blessing over me, not once, but many times as I studied to prepare for pastoral ministry. And while I served in my first church in Michigan, he died two years into my second church in Illinois. But his impact lives on. Our kids must never feel like we have to spend time with them or that we're giving them some kind of token recognition. Brooks Adams kept a diary as a child. When he was eight years old, he wrote in his diary, I went fishing with my father today, the most glorious day of my life. Brooks Adams' father, who was an ambassador to Great Britain, wrote in his diary that day, went fishing with my son, a day wasted. (sighs) Can you imagine if that son had known about those words in his dad's diary, how that would have impacted him negatively? Paul was a lot like the Apostle John when it came to the walk of, of His spiritual children. Listen to the little book of 3 John, verses 3 and 4. You might jot that reference down in your notes. Here's what John says, "...I was very glad when brethren came and bore witness to your truth, that is, how you are walking in truth." And then these beautiful words, "...I have no greater joy than this, than to hear that my children are walking in truth." That's what every spiritual dad longs for. That's the challenge. To live in such a way, teach in such a way, model in such a way that our kids are walking in truth. Our kids need to know and be totally confident of the fact that dad wants them to walk in truth more than anything else, more than being successful in a career, more than making a lot of money and having a lot of things. more than getting a college education. They also need to know, and this is certainly a challenge for dads, that even when they do wrong or mess up, we still love them and will seek to help them right those wrongs. Way back in 1990, hardly seems like it could be that long ago, George Strait recorded a powerful country song. The words of which are, I got sent home from school one day with a shiner on my eye. Fighting was against the rules and it didn't matter why. When dad got home, I told that story just like I'd rehearsed and then stood there on those trembling knees and waited for the worst. And he said, Let me tell you a secret about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. You see, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. Most importantly, we can fulfill this challenge of being a spiritual dad if we're consistent in our own walk with God and in our accountability before our children. Three times in these verses, notice it with me, verse 9, you recall, verse 10, you are witnesses, verse 11, just as you know, He speaks of what they already know to be true of Him. I mention that to say that there's no point in trying to pull one over on our kids. They know if we're sincere and real and honest or not. And the challenge is to be real. To be there for them at all times and in all circumstances. You know as well as I do that there are many boys and girls living today in America who do not have a dad in the picture. Bill Glass, a former NFL great with the Detroit Lions and Cleveland Browns, has a prison ministry called Behind the Walls. And in his book, The Healing Power of a Father's Blessing, he reports that one prison that he visited in Texas had 300 inmates who were between the ages of 10 and 15. 10 and 15. He asked the warden, how many of them received visits from their fathers? The answer, one. And that father was there for 15 minutes and got in a fight with his son and stomped out. How can we be more like the Apostle Paul with his spiritual children in Thessalonica? I want to get very practical as I wrap up this message. It seems like a massively tall order. But here are some practical insights. First of all, we need to have our children understand where we are going as a family and how we're going to get there spiritually. That's our job as dads. We need to sometimes hopefully not too often, bring correction and discipline, helping them understand how to recover after any kind of failure. But then we also need blessing on our children. what I mean by that is our children need to hear from us, here's how you are special. Here's what you mean to me. Here's what you mean to God here's what I see as your potential here's what I see God doing in your life they need to hear those things from us regularly well how can we do all of that three things quickly first of all we need to recognize our need for God's help the apostle Paul certainly did 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And men, we need to understand, apart from Jesus Christ, we are not able to do this. We're weak. We need His help. Secondly, realize it's never too late. It's never too late to start being the spiritual dad God wants us to be. Parenting is a process. It takes time. It takes work. Paul mentions work in verse 9. Yes, he's talking, I think, in part there about physical labor, working with his hands. He was a tent maker along with his friends Aquila and Priscilla. But I think there's more to it than that. I think the greatest labor Paul exerted was the labor of prayer and he talks about that in almost every New Testament letter that he writes praying for his spiritual children and we need to do that as well never give up never give in to the pressure of thinking that your kids are a burden they're not they're a blessing and I'm realizing that more and more and more with my adult children and then finally remember it's worth it all the hard work All the effort, all the teaching, all the instruction, all the praying, it's worth it. To see your children reach God-ordained potential, to see them live out the blessing that you've been pouring out on them since they were little, or since yesterday, it's going to make a huge difference. There's nothing compared to knowing that your children are walking with God with a vibrant faith, because they saw a vibrant faith in you, and me now if your children aren't there yet or if they've gone a whole other direction keep praying and keep or start modeling what Paul is talking about here it will make a difference in their lives in time in time it will and that's my prayer again for all the dads here today Moms and women and boys and girls, children. The dads here this morning need your prayers constantly. We do. I'm thankful that my children pray for me just as I pray for them. We need those prayers. My wife prays for me as I pray for her. I need those prayers. So do you, guys. Now let me wrap up the message a little bit differently since I already gave the conclusion earlier in a quote from Chuck Swindoll by this time we've all heard I'm sure of the tragic deaths this past Wednesday night of six women and three men at a prayer meeting in an African Methodist Episcopal church in Charleston, South Carolina the murderer 21 year old Dylan Roof has been captured and has confessed to the killings We know nothing at this point, really, about his family life, but I guess that he probably was not from a godly home. His dad was probably not a spiritual leader in the home and most likely did not bless his son regularly with words of love and affirmation and blessing. We need to pray for that church family and for the families of those who were killed including the pastor of the church. Not a lot of detail has emerged about those who were killed, and that's okay. God knows all about them. But we do know that that pastor, Clementa Pinckney, was married and was the father of two children. We need to pray for them this morning. And we're going to do that right now, and then we're going to sing a song. An old hymn called, This is My Father's World. And as we sing it, I want you to pay careful attention to the second verse. Because it applies to what we see going on in our world today, whether it's South Carolina or elsewhere. About the evil that goes on in our world. But the reminder that, hey, God is still in control. Amen? He's still in control. So let's pray for the folks in South Carolina. Father, Oh, how awesome it is to be able to call You, Father, because of Jesus Christ, Your Son, to have a relationship with You by faith through what He accomplished on the cross. We're thankful for that. Father, we pray especially today for those dear people in Charleston, for the loved ones and extended family of those who were killed, for that church family. Though they've already said words of forgiveness to Dylan... I pray for him. I pray that somehow through all of this, no matter what he's going to face legally, that he may give his heart to Jesus Christ, come to know Him as Savior before it's eternally too late. Father, bless each of those family members who are left behind, Pastor Pinckney's children and wife and others. Give them courage, Strengthen them by the power of the Comforter, the Helper, the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can lift them up in prayer today. And we do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me and sing this song? And again, especially notice the words to the second verse.
1: With me, this is my father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas. His hand the wonders wrought. This is my Father's Word. Let me seems oft so strong. God is the ruler Yes. Remember, this is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. isn't that a great truth the battle isn't done it isn't won
0: there's more work to do more fathering to do but Jesus is right there with us every step of the way and he's in control, amen have a
1: great week, we'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday for communion and family dinner God bless you